October 7th, 1913, Ford Motor Company introduces the first moving vehicle assembly line. Their first employee, Lucille Ball, dies after eating several of the cars. Hello, and welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn, uh, coming to you live with a skeleton, skeleton inside me. Um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> I'm uh, uh, Zach De La Muertos Powers. It's, <laughs> I guess, more like instead of Spooktober, the Dia de los Muertos build up. Uh, see, I, I, I this guess. is not an especially spooky topic, I guess. Um, I mean, what what's scarier than in, entrenched capitalism? Blah. Uh, I mean, a few things, but uh, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, like spiders. Yeah. Usually in October we're doing we're deep in in Spooktober country, but uh, because we've been away for so long, we're kind of just rolling through with our continued topic. Yeah. Uh, so because I, I hope <laughs> war is scary for you. <laughs> yeah, cal- because calendars are hard to read. Uh, we'll still do like we're still going to do a couple Shocktober episodes. Don't worry, folks. You're going to get your your dose of the goopy gories. Yeah, maybe um, one will come out after the day itself. But, you know, you got the yep. it's a hair of the dog that bit you with Halloween. You know, you need a little spook after the fact just to, you know, <laughs> get your talk. It's like you can get delirium spookums if you don't if you cut spookiness all at once. <laughs> yeah. And you have to go to the um, trying to think of a horror pun on methadone clinic, but uh Really not not feeling good about the, where I was at with that. Uh, candy doesn't fail. There's a new revisionist to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> that that voice, by the way, belongs to uh, the corpse Ooh, of Ron Byron Gray. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. No notes. <laughs> uh, Byron, thank you for joining us. Um, having me on yeah listeners if you're new to the show uh what we do each episode is we take a topic from history one person tells the true story of that person place or thing or idea uh or product and another person comes up with yeah yeah (laughs) did we do a product that live show did we do a product for that live that one live show we did i feel like maybe we did did we i can't I it's been so long. It's I been think... like seven years. This podcast has been going for a fucking long <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, we are shells of our former selves at this point. Yeah, and when we started, we were shells of the selves before that. So mm-hmm. it's like rusted Russian nesting selves that we've got going on. And I don't know how many more layers I got left. To be honest with you, I went back into your back catalog and listened to the Maximilian One episode, which had Katie as a guest. And that's right. You yeah. Can just, you can just hear the lightness in your voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's not just us. The world itself has decayed oh, yeah. these years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Having a good time. There's no world weariness to be detected. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pandemics. I think maybe Barack Obama was still president for oh, that. Oh, he one. was for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, for sure, yeah, we started before, uh, before, well, before Trump. Oh yeah, that was that was a like a season one or two jam. That was yeah, that was like twenty. That would have been like twenty fifteen yeah. or sixteen. 
Uh, Long-time listeners might remember the episode um, where where we where Trump won, and we just kind of sat around and we're sad about it. (laughs) With Christy Christy Buckley and Janae Burris. And Janae Burris, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was a. That was something. We were like, let's record the day after election day. Surely it will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we weren't the only ones in American society to look look at November 4th, I think it was, and be like, that's probably going to be a totally good day. (laughs) And then, and now today we're recording uh, not very long after Kevin McCarthy uh, entered the finding out phase of the fuck around find out continuum. <laughs> so, I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, me neither. Because yeah, it's either I mean, going to get much worse or be still bad. It's nice to see McCarthy lose, but it's sad to see Matt Gates win. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> there was, I believe it was Zach Reiner who posted something along the lines of, uh, is Kevin McCarthy 14 years old because Matt Cates just took him out? <laughs> uh, which is, oh man, listen, uh, broken clocks are still it, actually filled with Nazi pedophiles. Yeah. Uh, it turns out in Matt Gates's case, I mean, the enemy the en- of my enemy is still somebody I, I want to go down super hard and go to prison, so yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Um I don't know if I finish explain yes, I, I explained what we do on the show. Uh typically, as we alluded to, this would be our spooktacular um sort of uh <clears throat> typically this would be our spooktacular uh right now where we talk about ghosts and goblins and uh wendigos and shit. Um yeah. Goblin, and, I mean, this was going to be the Goblin episode. We'd never done Goblins. <laughs> it was scheduled for today. We said mm-hmm. we got to bump so the many Goblins. We, we had to bump it Goblins. Really... It was not. Yeah, that's. We were trying to book them while the WGA strike was still going on, mm-hmm. and they were crossing the line. And we were like, we got to bump them. Yeah, unfortunately, we can't. We can't it, it's also why we had to bump Drew Barry more for yeah for an episode. Yeah. Thanks for filling in, Byron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were so excited when we got Drew. <laughs> Thank God I'm no scab, but uh... <laughs> oh man. Um, well, this episode we are talking about Porfirio Diaz, the first uh, proper episode of our Mexican Revolution miniseries, which will then take a two episode break to go into Halloween shit. <laughs> um, guys, producing is an is a fine art that I have elevated into something almost dadaist in a way um but byron you'll be telling the true story it's it's, brian's schedule is like jazz it's the shows you don't record (laughs) (laughs) it's the spooktaculars you don't well then we've been on quite a run recently (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) listen our patreon is full of episodes that haven't even been recorded if you want (laughs) to if you want to (laughs) donate But, uh, Byron, whenever you're ready, uh, take it away. Jose de la Cruz Porfirio Diaz Mori was born in Oaxaca in 1830, uh, roughly nine years after the uh, Mexican War of Independence was won, and just one day after the uh, 
DSC Saints Day, September. By the way, I'm going to try to pronounce stuff and I'm going to fail. And there's no malice in that. No, no, of course not. We we really need to just get a clean cut of one of us saying that and put it at the beginning of every single episode we ever do. Just a clumsy white tongue trying its best. (laughs) I mean, it's it's better when we're talking about like Russians because like. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, and honestly, if it's Italians, it's active malice. Uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> active malice. And you know, when we cover the Irish with their crazy ass names, and we're both Irish, it's fine. We're all Irish enough, right? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was born in uh, Oaxaca, where I, I just was uh, a couple months in May. Great food, great times. <laughs> I highly recommend uh, you visit if you can. Uh, he was ethnically uh, Don Don Porfirio, ethnically mestizo, like most uh, mm-hmm. Mexican people. So he's the son of a, a white Spaniard and uh, partly indigenous mother. And throughout his career, he would appeal to his ancestry to win popular favor among the Mexican population. But there was rumors that he used various salves and powders to whiten his skin so yep internalized racism oh man i missed the salves and powders when i was doing my research i love Uh, a salve and powder it was uh they mentioned it on the the revolutions podcast yes we did a couple episodes about uh i highly recommend i love that show i i will say the internalized and externalized racism of former like spanish colonies is fucking wild like i i posted this on instagram for the last one i'll definitely repost it again but there's a whole like you could see a whole chart breaking down like in like four by six rows of like here's all the different possible racial combinations we recognize and their different roles in society it's it's fucking yeah it's a lot to to wrap your head around well, yeah, while the casta system wasn't officially in place, its reverberations were still very much going through society and uh, apparently the, the skin of Don Porfirio. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm sure they have no lasting legacy to this day. Yeah. yeah. No, we, it, we solved it. They're, they're good. Mexico, no problems. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, um, Mexico's biggest problem might be us. I, not like the three of us, but the U.S., as a whole, we'll see. Uh, Don, he's got a great quote, actually, that kind of uh, gets to that. He says, poor Mexico, so far from God, so close to the United States, <laughs> which is a great burn, but also very sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, as, as a young man, he was uh, uh, inclined toward the priesthood. But then uh, the invasion of the United States Army uh for the first mexican american for the mexican american war uh was a call to arms for uh young diaz and uh he joined up and fought in that conflict uh didn't have a, a, a you know as huge of a role there as he would come uh to have later on in other military mm-hmm. conflicts no official training by the way just uh joined up and decided to fight yeah, um, yeah, the uh, LAPD method of training. 
I think the LAPD and method all is PDs. you watch all Let's... three Bad Boys movies. Yeah. Like you get a free Blu-ray of them, I believe. And to be fair, it's all PDs. That's just how yeah. they all do it. They make you watch LA Confidential, and if you think James Cromwell is the good guy, you get a badge and a gun. <laughs> 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 so uh after the war after he gets a taste of blood he abandons the priesthood uh goes to law school and then he falls in with a band of oaxaca liberals mm-hmm. uh including the uh a fella you may have heard of by the name of benito juarez mm-hmm. uh, in 1854 spurred on by the plan of ayutla and by the way there's a lot of plans and a lot of so many fucking plans so many, there's at least three Wars, more. Rebellions, plans. Wars, rebellions, conflicts. Schemes? Uprising. There are schemes. Kerfuffles. Mm-hmm. They've got it all. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Spur- the Diaz joined another uprising that led to the overthrow of Santa Ana, the uh, general who uh, was a you, you, you know who Santa sort of like a dictator general. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those kept uh, generals back. that becomes a dictator. It's going to be a running theme throughout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you might know Santa Ana Santa Ana from uh, King of the Hill, possibly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Alamo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he voices Dale Gribble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> um. So after uh, claiming victory, uh, Diaz returns to Oaxaca to serve in local politics. Still, he's called to arms once more to fight in the Reform War, another war where they enact some reforms after victory. <laughs> it's also known as the Three Years' War, and uh, the conflict uh, which lasted from 1857 until 1861. So truth in advertising there, three years. <laughs> we got to get more creative with these war names, to be honest with you, man. It's like, hard to keep. I I even have it color coordinated where like each each war is in pink. To try can to we keep, bring like, in somebody for, to do some punch up on these war yeah. names? Like, uh, no, you guys really got to hire her. I know that the WGA strike was going on, but get a get a writer to punch up these names. Uh, there's too many year wars. You're, you're never gonna. Yeah. You're never gonna win that battle. Uh, <laughs> so the the reform war was triggered in part by a, a backlash to liberal reforms to the constitution that lit, limited executive power, scaled down the ranks and budget of the Mexican army, and codified the separation of the state from the Catholic Church. The re- liberals won another victory here and. But they're uh, man. What's what's that like? What what liberal victories? Well, it was settled immediately by the invasion of France. So we we don't know. Neither do they. Cool, cool. Um. So uh, this is where the the French invasion is where uh, the rubber kind of meets the road for Diaz. This is where he rises to national prominence and becomes uh, something of a folk hero. Um. He personally leads the cavalry charge that uh, breaks the fruit, uh, the French ranks at the Battle of Puebla, which uh, is now commemorated with Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. 
I think commemorated is. Yeah, I mean, I mean the way like, it's celebrated it's most, here is in, in Mexico. Not, it's commemorated. In, yes, in America, it's like the day yeah, maybe when one of every twenty women a drinker's nose. <laughs> my Pacifico, <laughs> my Pacifico people, though they're that's an educated crew. I mean, the uh, Dosa Keys, the you mm. know, they're one a key short of uh, God. <laughs> I'm Trace Keys, I guess. <laughs> uh, okay, so he fought the French doggedly. They won uh, several decisive battles after winning the form, you know, the Battle of Pueblo, which was an inspirational rallying cry for the rest of the conflict. Uh, let's see. He, uh, Diaz was captured twice and escaped enemy captivity with. Steve McQueen like finesse. Uh, he was also he also resisted a series of exhortations from supporters of the French Emperor Maximilian I to join the imperial cause and betray Juarez. He stayed loyal throughout the conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, he eventually rose to the rank of general and led the conquering march into Mexico City, evolving from a folk hero into a national war hero. He uh, decides to test his a, new power. like a Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, he's a Pokemon. Yeah, he's he's a he's the Blastoise. Yeah, he's uh, the national Blastoise. <laughs> but not quite strong enough to uh, defeat the Mewtwo of Benito. Juarez. <laughs> <laughs> That's a legendary man. Pokemon. That's a fucking yeah. legendary. What are you gonna do with that? Yeah. The... <laughs> uh, he, he, lose, he runs against Diaz in the first uh, election and loses, which he's kind of okay with because Diaz, you know, uh, Juarez is a huge, uh, e- even bigger uh, national war hero and even, you know, kind of the figurehead of the War of Independence. And uh, besides, the, he, you know, a, a foundational principle of their liberal politics is that each president is going to only serve one term. Mm-hmm. And this is going to prove to be very ironic later on, <laughs> because Diaz was elected first in, uh, let's see, what, 1876? And then he was re-elected in 1884, 1888, 1892, 1896, 1900, 1904, and then for the last time in 1910. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's your reign known as the Porfiriato. Man, it's and almost like giving... A section of history after you. That shit was bad. That's yeah. not... You know, <laughs> like, oh, good times, the Porfiriato. Yeah, it's sort of like the... His presidency were uh, kind of like they followed sort of the Friday the 13th marketing campaign where it's like the final chapter, baby. Uh, What's this? Maybe we can get one more. The final Friday? The first uh, administration, it was just Mrs. Voorhees. It didn't even have the. Yeah, that's true. And then there was Porfirio Diaz versus Freddy, I think, at the end. Oh, boy. They really jumped the shark by that point. That was was the 1910 election of movies. And I mean, I got to say, I don't like a lot of the things Porfirio Diaz does, but I would vote for him over Freddy Krueger, a dead child molester. Yeah. Now, Matt Gates, (laughs) a living child molester. (laughs) And yes, that might be slander. Prove it in court, Matt Gates. (laughs) Well, 
And Freddy's, in fairness to Freddy, he's a child murderer. The molestation is implied, but never fact verified. Okay. okay. Well, I... <laughs> I apologize for my mistake, and if I caused any offense to anyone listening, um, I'll make a the donation to the Freddy Krueger Memorial Fund. Uh, I'm listening and learning. Up, I was looking up Freddy Krueger literally last night, and that motherfucker... <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up Freddy Krueger. <laughs> that motherfucker, when he got burned alive by the mob in Springvale, or whatever it was called, was 26 years old. Oof. I would... That is not Robert England looks like fucking 40 in those movies. <laughs> That's a hard 26. Yeah. Uh, it was a different time. Wow. Like the, the more, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's not that old. He, Frank Kruger, kind of younger than us in, in a lot of ways. Frozen at 26. In a lot of ways, chronologically. being yep. the first way Probably, he's younger One of the most important ones, really. Uh, I mean, also, yeah, he has a bit of a lawn, like a flare that I, I feel like I've lost. <laughs> Yeah, he's still doing comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got some takes, let me tell you. (laughs) Sorry, now I'm just picturing like the next Nightmare on Elm Street. As the series goes on, he becomes more of a Don Rickles-like figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm just picturing like the next Nightmare on Elm Street movie just being like, Freddy Krueger's face with duct tape over his mouth and it's just called like triggered or canceled or something that uh, some <laughs> fucking he's Shane been on Gillis type he's, uh, you yeah. know, he's, oh Rogan Austin. would absolutely have Freddy Krueger on multiple times <laughs> oh man like, you got these supplements that'll make you never sleep again but... <laughs> <laughs> Gold never loses right. value, bitch. Uh, <laughs> so while he was loyal to Juarez during the <laughs> French conflict, uh, Diaz was highly critical of Juarez's decision to seek a second presidential term. He was a one-term guy. Let's remember that. No, mm-hmm. so, uh, he runs against him and, uh, Loses again. <laughs> he loses to Juarez and Juarez's uh, vice president, Sebastian Lerdo de Tejada, who assumes the presidency when Juarez dies in 1871. Diaz makes uh, ex- accusations of electoral fraud, hmm. formulates the Plan de la Noria. Mm-hmm. And after leading a brief armed rebellion, he faces defeat at the 1872 Battle of La Bufa. And Laredo goes on to serve out the rest of his term and then, earning the consternation of Diaz yet again, decides to run for a second term. And if we know <laughs> one thing about Diaz, he does not fuck with second terms. No, no. But he does. Kindly kind of give Diaz a pardon for like his little rebellion in there. He's kind of like bygones are bygones. Yeah. But during his rebellion, he's just like, eh, just go back to Oaxaca for a little while. And uh, he uh, Diaz does that. But he also goes north to the United States to solicit support for any future rebellions he might like to enact. 
And so he goes, wait, to- wait, wait, the United States would support a rebellion in Latin America against an elected government. Only if it's in their economic interest. <laughs> All right. Make it uh, worth their while. You know, you're making it sound like tired and played out, but you got to remember this was one of the original. Yep. Supporting uh, uh, an overthrow of a democratically elected Latin American government. Like Listen, they were just getting into it. This was, <laughs> was before it was played out. This was before the School of the Americas was a twinkle in anyone's eye. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he goes to New York, New Orleans, and Brownsville, Texas, uh, and creates uh, relationships with American industrialists and financiers who uh, see the opportunity to plunder Mexico for its labor and natural resources and sign up. And they support his uh, rebellion against or his campaign against Laredo's second term. And uh, he overthrows Laredo. Uh, Oh, wait, wait, there's another plan. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He uh, forms the plan of Tushtepec. And then uh, he's, he, the denouncement's not insufficient to prevent his re-election, but he claims a decisive victory over Lerdo at the Battle of Tecoac, once again occupying Mexico City and sending Lerdo into exile. Uh, in an attempt to remain, so he, he serves his first term, and uh, all of those uh, American supporters get there and beaks wet. They get... Mm-hmm. Uh, concession like railroad barons get concessions to build. Uh, they get exclusive contracts. The first railroads that go up seem, you know, they connect American cities to Mexican cities, and the you know somehow they drag their foot on the cross country uh, connections between Mex, you know, intra Mexico yeah. connections. Uh, they set up the uh, telegraph lines. They set up the first. Bonamex, the first national bank of Mexico, it's a huge period of modernization that uh, completely changes the both the landscape politically and literally of Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think, something like 20,000 miles of railroad track are laid down during uh, these first years of the administration. Uh, like but, a, it's an economic boom, pretty much, period. For, yeah, it's an ep- for economic the- boom, yet. All of the money is flowing towards, you know, the upper yeah, echelon of government. Yeah. And to the, yes, people are getting screwed. Uh, but so far, he's not really suffering any consequences from it. People still like Don Porfirio. And uh, in an attempt after, after in 1880, uh, after serving for four years, he decides not to run for re-election. He's not going to be a hypocrite yet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in a... Pretty staged, managed election. Yep. He is handpicked successor, General uh, Juan Men. Man, I think it's just Juan Menendez. Brian, feel free to correct me. I, my handwriting's terrible. He uh, he becomes the uh, interim president and uh, amends the constitution to prevent any president from serving for more than one term. For now. So, sorry, before, uh, after Lerdo, he he appoints an interim president, and then after Juan Mendez's term is over, 
he wins the 1877 election on the landslide and the Porfiriato begins in earnest. Mm -hmm. Once in power, he's much more pragmatic than ideological. Uh, aside from all the business concessions that he made, he uh, makes peace with the church and uh, continues scaling back the military to uh, get rid of any potential opponents. Yeah. And there was, uh, this is like going, he like backslides on like being against the church and being for term limits. Like all of these were like huge ideological yeah, points. Yeah. 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 He's, he, he really, back, like, he makes a bunch of politically convenient compromises that kind of undermine whether, you know, was he, did he ever have convictions in these liberal beliefs or was that just kind of part of the scene that he was part, you know, uh, that he came from? Cause it, it does not, uh, events itself in the governance during the Porfiriato. It is essentially uh, a cap. He turns Mexico into a cash machine for Americans and Europeans. Uh, anyway, let's get back to talking about Joseph R. Biden. What? Let's. <laughs> he also uh, kills a lot of people. Kills a lot. <laughs> there's there's some tribal uprising in Sonora that uh, he puts down violently. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a policy, an unofficial policy called a pan o palo, which is bread or the stick, where it's like if you play along with him, like the church or his former conservative rivals, uh, he'll let you basically do whatever you want. He doesn't care what you believe or who you exploit. Uh, you can go ahead and get paid. You just got to be loyal to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you give him any guff, you get that uh, palo. I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> that didn't sound right coming out of my mouth. The uh, Orden y Progreso was the main, was the order of the day, which order in progress. So, mm -hmm. uh, but order essentially meant keeping the class and caste hierarchies in place. And uh, progress essentially meant enriching the ruling class and foreign investors through these modernization efforts. He, in addition to securing the border areas on the southern banks of the Rio Grande, Diaz paid off all national debts remaining from the aftermath of the Mexican-American War. And uh, despite some misgivings from the Rutherford B. Hayes administration, these inroads with American businessmen seceded, and the Diaz regime was officially recognized by the U.S. in 1878. And this isn't like, Diaz is in some sort of, uh, cock, you know, he's, he's, he's all very pragmatic decision. Like this, he knows what he's doing. He's not yeah. getting swindled by like, he's, uh, you know, part of him fully believes that there, there will be some, a trickle down effect. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think that the, like connect the project of connecting Mexico was just too big for them to take on on their own. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I feel like, go ahead. Sorry. I feel like there's sometimes like a dumbing down of like anyone from a country in the global South, especially where like when people are talking about the U S take and like capitalist interests taking advantage of their concessions it's not just like it's not like they're just tricking them like they're also getting those leaders are like and the ruling class in those countries are getting something out of it too yeah um, and the leaders during the porfiriato became very rich yeah particularly yeah. uh 
his direct successor. I'll get to that in later, but yes. uh, a lot of these, uh, he avoided backlash for a lot of this stuff. This was another uh, element of his, of his political savvy is that uh, after his first term, he appointed a successor. And during this interregnum, a lot of this, a lot of the banking and railroad stuff came like really started happening in earnest mm-hmm. and people started seeing the consequences of it. And his successor suffered the backlash rather than Diaz himself. So he, he swept back yeah. into office after the shit kind of hit the fan. I think I said these, these, all, these businesses are all basically monopolies, by the way, <laughs> I think I've said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's said of Diaz at the time that he is the mother of foreigners, but only the stepmother of Mexicans. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Man, so, someone was watching Pornhub, I guess. Um, I was going to say, he, he, I mean, he's not the one getting fucked. They are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Oh, mining too. He, like, oh, yeah. Mining is another like uh, if you want, you know, just to make the pillaging of the resources insanely literal. Yeah, uh, he changes the laws to allow uh, foreign investors to directly own Mexican land and the minerals extracted from it. So he removes the need for Mexican middlemen or uh, shell companies. So really, like. Even the pretense of enriching and of some local enrichment just goes out the window. There is just it, it says over and over again that it can't be overstated how much he's exploiting Mexican labor resources and the working class at you know for the benefit of foreign investors and government functionaries. Okay, Manuel Gonzalez, that's his successor. Historically, he's thought of as kind of like a, an appointed puppet of the Porfiriato, but uh, I don't think that Diaz really needed to uh, put his thumbs on the scale that much because they were pretty much in agreement on everything. Mm-hmm. The uh, one element that sets them apart is that Gonzalez did suffer backlash for his corruption. <laughs> <laughs> if Porfirio Diaz offers to make you his successor at anything, don't fucking take it. It's yeah. <laughs> you are being set up to fail. So yeah, during the Gonzalez interregnum, uh, Diaz returns to Oaxaca to serve as the governor and to get married at age oh. fifty to okay. the seventeen-year-old Carmen oh. Romero Rubio. The thirty-three-year age difference. Uh, the daughter of a one-time rival. <laughs> oh, well, that's yeah. I, 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 that I, I don't know the story behind this, but that detail makes it seem like there's some spite <laughs> in this marriage, where he's like, "Oh, you want to uh, oppose me for Juarez? Huh? Well, I'm fucking your daughter." <laughs> uh, so, uh, corruption in the Gonzalez regime uh, was beginning to inspire popular opposition that threatened to derail the whole modernization project. So Don Porfirio reneges on his liberal commitment to a single-term presidency and runs again, winning the 1884 election in a landslide and tightening his grip over power even tighter. His, His new motto is, we want a little of politics 
and plenty of administration. The period that the of relative stability that is follows is called the Paz Porfiriana. Mm. Just to add another thorn to this complicated briar patch of uh, economic interests, the uh, most of like the railroads are usually are, are mostly American. The mining interests are mostly British, and Bonamex is French. It's, it's all French money bankrolling all of these projects. So three of their former colonizers <laughs> are basically just running shit. Yeah. On watch. Uh, you know, meanwhile, the people don't have enough to eat. Uh, just, yeah, these three colonizers enriching themselves at, at Mexico's expense. You got to imagine, uh, like, Spain, part of that on their part had to have been to spite Spain a little bit. Man, <laughs> just to be be like, I'm fucking your daughter, sort of. Talk, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing, nothing for us. <laughs> <laughs> so after winning re-election this time, Don Porfirio changes the constitution and uh, remain, allowing him to run again. And each time he's up for re-election, he's like, you know what? Let's let's change the let's make the presidency six years long now. Let's uh, <laughs> let's make it okay for me to run again. And uh, he faces very little resistance. Remains in office for the next twenty six years. Uh, term limits become a thing of the past at every level of politics. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, I already mentioned the military. Uh, Diaz throws his lot in with the uh, Scientificos. I don't know if you're going to get into these guys later. Um, no, not too much. So we can talk about them now a little more. They kind of sound like elitist assholes. <laughs> that they're they're essentially they're like centrists now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, um, they're also they, very they, like technocratic, sort of in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They. They think that the democratic order is unscientific somehow. So, of <laughs> course, Diaz is like, these are my guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're led by uh, Jose Eve Limantour, who becomes the uh, Treasury Secretary during the Porfiriato. And he he's the one who helped balance the budget by paying off all of, uh, one of the reasons Mexico didn't have enough money to. Uh, build all this infrastructure themselves is because their colonizers are like, hey, you're in debt to us. Yeah. You just made that up. You've got to pay us. Yeah. So, you know, like 300 grand to the U.S. government, uh, even more to the British government. Just, uh, yeah, just you know. millions and millions and millions of dollars yeah. in like 19th century money yeah. in debt to foreign powers. And based on, based like, on nothing would have made a big difference to the would have made a big yeah just like a piece of paper that a white guy held up um like all debt really but uh <laughs> like that's another debt. episode <laughs> so he he balances the budget and courts european investors but pisses everybody off nobody likes lehman tour there is a very good cocktail bar in named after lehman tour for some reason i don't Wait, know why. what <laughs> there's no they're, they have weird names for the rest. Like, there's a restaurant called Criollo, which oh, is, isn't yeah. that like that's like in the caste system above Mestizo, right? 
Yeah, Criollo were like fully white, but born in the born in the Americas. I don't know if the name is like a troll against me, the diner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's go to Crayola, Crayola, the restaurant. Yeah. Um. Oh, one of the uh, interesting tidbit uh, he met uh, Howard Taft or William Howard, you know. at the historical presidential summit, Taft was the first president to cross over the Mexican border to meet a mm. uh, head of state. And uh, they met in Juarez City, where there was a thwarted assassination attempt. Mm. Uh, on Diaz or on Taft? I believe on Diaz. It was unclear. Okay. Uh, Someone's tr- trying to grab a twofer, maybe even. And then I, I do yada 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 pass some stuff here because it's just such a. <laughs> there's so much. Yeah, there's so much. But uh, yeah, towards yeah. the end of his uh, presidency, he gives uh, interview interview. It's called the Creelman interview. I forget mm-hmm. the name of the publication, but this it, he basically like admits the whole game to a journalist who's like. Mexican people are dumb. They need they need a strong hand to run shit. And everybody I think hates it was that. Vice. Yeah. It was yeah, it was Vice. <laughs> he gave an interview to Shane Smith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a deep cut for for all you vice heads out there. <laughs> a Canadian fuck. Uh, <laughs> uh so in the it 19- looks like the assassination attempt was on both of them. On both, yeah, I wanted to kill both of them. I, I mean, kill two presidents with one bullet. Yeah, and he got probably, pretty close to them. You probably would have needed more than one to pierce the rib cage on Taft. He was. You got to put Taft in the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to aim for the mustache and old Tafty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's the like glowing eye in Zelda. You have to right. hit if it you for- want. If you got the one bullet and you want it to go through, Diaz in front, less space to travel, then Taft in back. It can stop in the middle of Taft, no problem. Job's done. <laughs> but you got to get that, uh, sort of a, sim- a symbol of the growing backlash against Diaz at the time. I think that was in 1909. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1910, he's running for re-election for the final time. And he sees that his opponent, Francisco Madero, is gaining popularity. So he just has him jailed, as one does when you don't like your opponent. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then he wins re-election on the landside, but allegations of fraud follow him and lead to the plan of San Luis Potosi, our final plan here. Uh, And the violence surrounding this transfer of power is considered the opening salvo of the Mexican revolution. Mm-hmm. He has abdicates from office in 1911 and lives out the rest of his life in exile in Spain. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have for now. <laughs> uh, is, is there anything you want to add for context or? Um, well, just one thing, because I think it's a very fun miscalculation on his part. Um, because like he is getting sort of increasingly like paranoid of his vice president as he gets older, because like a lot of people are like thinking like, oh, maybe, maybe he'll die in office and then we'll have a new president. 
Um, and so he gets in sort of a habit in his last couple terms of trying to pick like someone very unpopular and disliked to be his <laughs> vice president. Just He's thinking like, Harris. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it'd be almost like if Joe Biden picked Amy Klobuchar or, um, mm. uh, who I guess uh, people didn't dislike Hick- Hickenlooper. They just, he was a non-entity. Um, Anyway, the 2020 Democratic field was full yeah, of winners. Thumbs down. <laughs> um, but I forget who he picks to be his running mate. But um, he, it's a it hugely backfires. It's just like I'm going to pick the person everyone hates, and then no one will have reason to throw me out of office because this guy will then be in charge. Um. And people are just like, you are a million years old at this point, and we don't want <laughs> we don't want fucking the equivalent of like Beto basically coming in and just <laughs> skateboarding around this place with, and just saying fuck like it's like it's a political platform. Oh man, this really does have a lot of echoes for today. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. All the electoral fraud, all the all the <laughs> instability. <laughs> well, except this seems like it was actual existing electoral yeah. fraud. Well, you know, oh, no, Mexico, this, yeah, this was in this case it was real, but yes. Mexico's down there looking at us like, now it's your turn, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Byron, thank you. Ready for the Trumpiato, bitches. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> uh there is someone someone on x or something photoshopping that like right now and i i just want to say to you please stop you could do you have one short life on this earth and you don't need to be (laughs) simping for a couple of idiots yeah and you just don't need to be on x it's yeah it's Go leave it. It's 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 past time. <laughs> I won't uh, even log in to delete my account. That's how that <laughs> I can't be bothered. Oh man! Uh, but Zach, you are handling the alternate history. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of what Byron said was, in fact, correct. Just a few little bits and bobs along the way that got left out. Uh, of the story. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll just I'll just fill in the gaps. Uh, like cock. I'm the cock of this podcast. Fill in the gaps. That's um, that's what we always say. Yeah. Uh, so Porfirio was born uh to uh, a father who worked in mining. Um, sort of a humble profession. It's you know it doesn't offer a ton in the way of advancement for young sort of impoverished children. But uh, shortly, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just picturing like a career minded child going into the mines. You, know, you need to get a leg up in this world. Uh, you can advance into black lung. Sure. Uh, I'm doing LinkedIn learning. Um, but but uh, it would kick out a lucky break. Uh, shortly after Porfirio was born, uh, there was lucky break um, because his father was shot to global prominence. 
when he was selected for a special program in which miners were trained to become astronauts in order oh. to destroy <laughs> an asteroid that was heading to Earth. Um, unfortunately, his father had to stay behind to ensure the detonation went as planned. Um, after, uh, if I recall correctly, Steve Buscemi did something cowardly or something like that. And <laughs> that part of history is very vague. Uh, the record no, that's on air. You're... <laughs> yeah, I thought Buscemi was a hero. In... Uh, somebody does something wrong and uh, his father had to stay behind. Like this part of history is very vague. Mm -hmm. um, the, the records <laughs> have not been seen for like 20 years. Um, but the records are apparently streaming on something called Sling. So if you want to see the records, you can. <laughs> but as far as I know, they haven't been seen for 20 years. Um, anyways, uh, Porfirio had a largely normal childhood after that. Uh, um, in his teenage years, though, he got a lot of training. He learned a lot about combat and leadership in another sort of bizarre incident uh, in which the first car he bought turned out to be like some kind of alien fighting robot. Um, and it, along with his robot friends, taught him how to lead and fight. And they had to fight off other robots and they had to pee on John Turturro. Um, <laughs> That's so weird. It's so... Also, also, I wish that movie was called Robot Friends. And, and he also met his wife, uh, uh, let's say, at that time. Sure, why not? Um, she was fixing her car in an exaggerated, sexy way. Uh, <laughs> I also think this happened... <laughs> Holding maybe... the wrench with her Volvo? What? Yeah, something like that. Why would uh, I say that? I think this happened like five or six more times. But again, the records are vague. Because mm -hmm. the first record wasn't very good. And apparently, <laughs> the other records got even worse Rotten Tomatoes score. So I'm not familiar with the other records. Um, Did you say Rotten Tomatoes? But yeah, sure. It's, it's That's the, anyway, the, film review, the film review site run by Mater from Cars. Yeah, it's better. It's better. It's got less bias. Um, <laughs> That's when they anyway. review Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> it's raw, raw tomatoes. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so that happened like five or six more times. I, I don't remember how many, um, but it doesn't matter. Eventually, a different guy helped the robots, and I think Chicago was destroyed at one point. Um, but uh, regardless of this, uh, Diaz took his knowledge. He became a federal deputy, just like Byron said. He had a number of military successes, including at Puebla, the thing we celebrate Cinco de Mayo for. Um, he, uh, along with his uh, wisecracking partner, Juan Mendez, uh, then successfully took down two separate drug cartels and or terrorists in a historical record that I don't remember well, but I have thought about revisiting more than most of these other historical records. Yeah, that's probably uh, that's a probably best yeah so that's yeah i'm kind of interested in, in picking up that historical record again um unfortunately uh as he turned on uh juarez uh as he described he uh eventually had his rebellion after the first election there which he lost um and part of this rebellion was uh an attempt to get compensation from the mexican government by seizing control of alcatraz which was part of mexico before the mexican-american war um but not at this time also because he was <laughs> a wildly misinformed plan i have to say but this plan was uh thwarted somehow uh i'd have to look into the records to say how 
but this is usually considered one of the better records from what I gather. But I don't think I've actually seen this record. <laughs> but I, maybe I should. Very it's been a long time since I've seen this one. Yeah. Losers are always whining about their best. Winners yeah. go home and probably. <laughs> uh, on his way back, um, for a while, I thought maybe he got on a plane full of convicts who tried to escape and wreak havoc in Las Vegas or something. Also Mexican before the Mexican-American War. But um, I then realized this was actually somebody else's historical record. And I just thought it was his historical record. So that didn't happen. That happened to somebody else. It's a different guy's historical record. Uh, anyway, alongside becoming a dictator and eventually being ousted, um, along the way, he had a bunch of other adventures. He had an adventure with an ambulance. He had an adventure with Rock as a bodybuilder on a clone island. There was one in Benghazi for some fucking reason. <laughs> whatever six underground means. Uh, I've never seen any of these records. Um, anyway, Porfirio was exiled to America after being ousted as dictator and died in romantic Pearl Harbor. And that is the end of his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I forgot six underground was him. Yeah, Diaz. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot Con Air wasn't. Yeah, I truly thought it was. Uh, Turns out, no, Simon West. Way. Yeah. What the yeah. fuck? I. That's okay. I mean, I mean, Con Con Air is remarkably visually coherent, so it should. <laughs> it if as far as I can remember, it's also remarkably non like sexually exploitative. Um, Con Air, kind of awesome film. <laughs> yeah, Con yeah, Air and the nineties. You know, those are there's a couple nineties like generic actioners that are that are that you know uh, uh, Air Force One. I have sort of fond memories of. You know. Yep, I. That's also kind of a wild ass phase in Steve Buscemi's career, because it's not like what I would. Phase. It's not what I expect of him now, like looking looking at his career now. He was doing all this shit with the Coens at the same time. Yeah, that so that's true. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he also is like he's a working actor who needs to get paid. By the way, SAG AFTRA still on strike. Um Martin but, Fink's not gonna pay those bills. <laughs> yeah, he has like three lines in that movie, you know what I mean? <laughs> He says his name is Chet like four times, and that's basically all he does. <laughs> it's it's also like they mentioned this on the on another podcast, the Flop House. But like, Steve Buscemi's character in Con Air is like a child murderer, mm. and like, but he's also sort of the comic relief. You know, yeah, but he lets the child go. It's, hero, it's very strange. Yeah. He oh. meets that little girl, but he like I got the whole world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she's yeah, fine at the end. He escapes. He doesn't harm that little girl, and he's just like out there. It's like, what's the deal with this? <laughs> he's doing his own thing. He doesn't give a fuck what John Malkovich is doing. He's just like, I'm going over here, man. <laughs> does make you root for a free, a, a prison escaped child murderer. <laughs> just like i i learned an important lesson about you know, not murdering but here's children. the thing the difference between steve shemmy and con air and freddy krueger is steve shemmy and con air would not do rogan so <laughs> no, no absolutely not that's how they make you like him 
<laughs> yeah, I think he's going to be on the Bechdel cast, actually. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, good get. It's actually a very good show. Um, Zach, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners, before I move on to the judgment phase, just want to say thank you for being here, uh, giving us your ears. Yeah, and thank you for being a friend. Mm-hmm. Travel, Travel down, down the road, road back, back again. again. <laughs> uh, a pal heart. and a confidant. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you threw a party, invited everyone you knew, uh, I think you'd see. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, fighting my... For legal reasons, we should clarify the revisionist will not give you a gift. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, no purchase necessary to enter. I thank you for breaking the absolute stranglehold of my neuroses that would otherwise force me to finish saying the lyrics to a song as if it's a joke. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram. Just search for Revisionist Podcast. Uh, and no, nowhere else now because Twitter ceased being the, the even semi enjoyable platform it was a couple years ago. Um, uh, I have a blue sky that I have not posted anything on yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> there is technically a mastodon. Uh, um, good luck finding it. I can't, and I made it. Um, <laughs> So we'll see how that goes. Um, Byron, did you want to plug anything, talk about anything, mention anything near and dear to your heart? You know, on a hiatus from performing, but I might be on Jeopardy. Like I, uh, (laughs) I I did the practice test and then I I have a callback audition. And then I did two like practice games. So now I'm in the contestant pool. Yeah, and they'll call and be like, "Didn't you did something similar a while ago, right?" Yeah, I am. I'm still in the contestant pool. I think for another, um, I have like six more months left before I can audition again. Mm-hmm. Um, what if they put us in the same episode? Oh, oh man, brother versus brother. It was I like in the Zoom audition. It was seven guys that looked like us. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it was. Well, I hope you get on and I hope to ask you a question about Porfirio Diaz. And I hope you get it wrong because that would be very funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that would come in handy. I hope so, too. Um, But, yeah, that's all I really got to plug at at the moment. Cool. Uh, Zach, you co-host the Movie Trap podcast. Yeah, we're also on sort of semi-hiatus because mm. fucking life is uh, life right now. But we're trying to occasionally release episodes. Uh, next one is going to be on the Bruce Willis masterpiece, Hudson Hawk. So <laughs> if you want to watch Hudson Hawk, uh, you, we'll have a Why? podcast episode about it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, probably I, for uh, Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhardt, I would say. is the That's fair. Yeah. Um, as for me, listeners, um, you can see this on Instagram, but uh, friend of the show and friend of my life, uh, Jen Colick, and I are running a bake sale this month um, to raise money to buy tents for um, unhoused people in the Denver area uh, because 
the Denver Police Department keeps taking them. Um, and it gets very cold in Denver at night. Um, and so we're trying to get as many tents as we can. Um, we started taking orders for the bake sale a couple of days ago. We're already up to like half a dozen tents. Um, so yet yeah, if you want to either just make a donation or order some baked goods, you can find all of that on our Instagram page and yeah, uh, it would be greatly appreciated um, and go a long way to literally keeping people alive. Um, so yeah, that's what I will plug. Continued livelihood of people. <laughs> Generally, here's here's the thing: people Let's are people. <laughs> it, it's good to keep people alive, even if they are Matt Gates in theory. Look. Man, why you got to stake out the least defensible position here? <laughs> yeah, act, honestly. Here's the thing. Break into Matt Gates's house and squat it. Um, just, <laughs> there we go. That's the thing. Um, that's the thing to do. <laughs> there are certain people I want to live long enough to see just absolutely ruined. That's 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 where my heart truly lies. Speaking of, as of this recording, Henry Kissinger still alive and still respected. Uh, by some. Yeah, yeah. I think it has waned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like the mainstream media treatment of his 100th birthday was very frustrating yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, but anyway, judgment comes for us all, and it is coming hard and fast now for for these Beautiful, beautiful boys in front of me. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed Zach's. <laughs> you, there is something about the tone Zach struck where it is a mix of very well put together, but also very, at points very tossed off and visibly like casual that was I very fun i decided to do a retrospective of michael bay's filmography but i didn't want to watch any of the movies and i when i started yes. to do it i also realized i didn't want to read any of the wikipedia articles <laughs> about the movies this is the so, right approach <laughs> so i just did what i kind of remembered <laughs> respect but i think my big qualm is that we would be canonically um bringing michael bay into this world and there's still hope left that he we and this would be very petty and spiteful may put out an episode where we yeah, just to be fair michael bay was not a character in my history that's that's <laughs> true that's true his his oeuvre and you know what honestly byron also did a, a lot of fucking research for this one. This was a huge episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, I'm going to cast my vote for the actual history. Listeners, if you want to vote, you can do that uh, on social media uh, and, you know, come back in a couple weeks when we're going to be talking about them spooky scaries. And I say this every couple of weeks, maybe uh, celebrating the death of Henry Kissinger. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. 
Jen and I have been wanting to celebrate this for a long time. We have we bought a bottle of champagne for some reason, and then we just called it like our Kissinger death champagne. Uh, and this was so long ago that we ended up drinking it when Antonin Scalia died. <laughs> so wow, that's uh. Well, did we know that it yeah. wouldn't be as happy of an occasion as we would hope? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's the thing about champagne. It seems like it's for celebrations, but it still just gets you drunk. Like that's it could be used for mourning in many ways. <laughs> yeah, I think people have figured out that alcohol is is used for both celebrating and <laughs> and for uh, for bad times and just whenever you want it. I think in a lot of cases. <laughs> oh man, I had half of a microdose gummy, and I am a little loopy. Um, <laughs> so. Um, Byron, thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Zach. Yep. Yep. Zach, thank you as always. Mm -hmm. Uh, For everyone here at the Revisionists, I'm Brian Flynn, and we'll see you uh, when things start to get spooky. Yeah, he was supposed to say, "Have a good time." So, have a good time. Have a time. Sorry, have a good time. (laughs) Get spooky. Let's get spooky. That's it. October 7th, 1996, Fox News Channel begins broadcasting with a 20-year plan to convince scared people to take a bunch of horse medicine. A few years late, but they did it. October 7th, 1996, Fox News Channel begins broadcasting, revolutionizing American media, a technically true statement that can't be fact-checked. Uh, one more. October 7th, 1763. King George III issues a proclamation closing indigenous land beyond the Allegheny Mountains to white settlement, leading George Washington to coin the phrase woke mind virus. (laughs) Uh, All right. I got just a few. Uh, October 7th, 1996, Fox News Channel begins broadcasting. Many feel a great disturbance, as if millions of boobers cry out in anger and are suddenly estranged from their children. (laughs) October 7th, 2001, the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan begins, starting the longest war in American history. Lockheed Martin is currently workshopping a sequel and hoping to double the runtime. (laughs) 